0: Welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network present, presented to you or brought to you by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off two two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by Golf Gambling Podcast, TaylorMade Stealth 2 Drive Giveaway. Head over to com slash driver to enter today for the big April 8th giveaway. We're also brought to you by Baseball Money is Fake, our fancy baseball podcast. Join Blake and Ryan three times a week get all the player breakdowns and statistical data that you need to dominate so today we're going to talk about players to buy back in on some of these might be post-type sleepers or breakouts that did not break out in 2022 and i brought in one of my favorite fantasy football analysts eric moody how are you sir
1: no i'm doing pretty good yeah i'm fully caffeinated you know ready to rock and roll even though i do have some uh lipton green tea over here too i'll probably sip on throughout the show but i no, think things are great I know we're uh, kind of in the final countdown. I would say until the uh, NFL drafts. So I know that's approaching. NBA season is starting to uh, close. You know, close this chapter, and the playoffs will start. So it's it's an exciting time. I'll say in the sports world, especially baseball starting up as well. So. No, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah, for some reason we kind of had some technical difficulties, but hey, we we will persevere. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, I, I do get that feeling sometimes for where we know a lot about these players. You know, their college career. You know, their their stats, you know, combine numbers, all those different things. And so you do get to the point where you're just wondering, OK, where are each of these players going to land? And then from there, you can really determine what the the fantasy outlook would look at that point, what the outlook would look like at that point. So,
0: well, make sure you give Eric sh- a, a follow. And, and again, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm in on in on Garrett Wilson with or without Aaron Rodgers. Nathan, thanks for coming and checking in on us. So let's just start out with the quarterback. So uh what's a quarterback that you think that we should um buy back, back in on in 2023?
1: Yeah, I know the first name that came to mind when you asked this question was was Russell Wilson. Like everyone, myself included, obviously had high expectations for Wilson and the Broncos heading into last season, but you know, once the dust settled on on 2022, you know, those expectations did not come to fruition. One thing about the Broncos that was that was rough is that might like, they finished the season ranked 21st in total yards per game and last in points scored per game, a very hard team to watch. You look at Wilson, I'm like he finished the season with his lowest career completion percentage around 60 and a half%, only threw for 16 passing touchdowns, also had the most second most interceptions of his career with uh, 11. And then from a fantasy lens, I'm like, this is a player who averaged a disappointing 15.2 fantasy points per game last season, finishes a QB 16 as well. So I will say I am cautiously optimistic about Wilson in 2023. We did see a glimmer of hope last season, like from weeks 14 to 18, he finishes a QB 4 in fantasy points per game. You look at the Broncos heading into 2023, they get a significant coaching upgrade. We've got Sean Payton that's heading to Denver. We all remember how explosive Payton's offenses were in New Orleans with Drew Brees under center. And obviously that duo had a lot of success, won a Super Bowl. But Peyton, he's also won games with Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, and also Jameis Winston. And one thing about Peyton, I'm like, he's a former quarterbacks coach. He does know how to get the best out of the position. So I expect that trend to continue with Wilson. And just to bring all that together, I'm like, you look at Wilson, I'm like, he's surrounded by an abundance of playmakers. He's got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you know, Javante Williams should come back healthy. Uh, Greg Dolchich as well at tight end and, and Wilson is 34 years old so he's not in his physical prime like he was in those many years in Seattle but when I look at it from like a fantasy lens whether it's redraft or dynasty I think he's a solid value in both formats especially for a dynasty team that's in win now mode so
0: yeah and you like to see the he finished a lot stronger than he started last year uh I, I know that you know some players were not playing at that point of the season, but you saw some higher performances from him and it was addition by subtraction when Nathaniel Hackett left mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos and him and Jerry Judy really did have a connection. Um, Tim Patrick will be back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll, that'll be interesting. And, and we'll, we'll talk about Mr. Uh, Greg Dolcecura in a bit. Yeah. Uh, I do. We get some questions. So Derek Carr, I thought about putting him on my list.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: left him off. What are your thoughts about Derek Carr in 2023?
1: Yeah, I think we'll see more of the same from Carr, just like we did in in Las Vegas. Um, I know he's got a pretty good supporting cast uh, when you look at what what he has in the Saints. You know, we don't know about the Alvin Kamara situation, what that's going to look like, but he's got Chris Olave. He's got some other receiving playmakers that's there. So... You know, I don't think you'll have a significant jump. I'm just looking at Carr as someone that's going to be a very solid QB2 in fantasy. He is going to have some QB1 weeks in New Orleans, especially considering the, we'll say the state of that division.
0: Yeah, uh, that that division last year was uh, pretty, pretty atrocious. Um, And so when I looked at, you know, landing spots for Derek Carr, I, I said anywhere in the NFC South, because if he goes to, the Jets, what's he? The third, maybe fourth best quarterback. I mean, yeah. he at the time was going against Kyle Trask and Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter when he signed, and uh, it's not much better. Uh, but now the Carolina Panthers are making a move. Yeah. Uh, the the quarterback that I wanted to bring up, and, and that's Matthew Stafford. And so, from dynasty purposes, I understand the the Rams are are definitely uh, they're the tanking manager. They went all in. And now they, they realize they are tanking, but this this team will still have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Sean McVay for this year, and right now in your 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 high stakes leagues he's going as QB twenty. I'm um, in dynasty leagues. You can you, know, you can get him for a, a mid second round pick, and so if you're a competing team and you're in super flex and you're looking for a quarterback too, again this this is going to be a very bad team. They're probably going to be uh, you know. Losing a bunch of games, but I still think that that Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup can put up some fantasy points and when you're getting him at the at a late late QB two value, I think that that's where I'm interested. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts on Matthew Stafford?
1: Yeah, I think Matthew Stafford will end up being you know solid QB two. you know he's gonna have those uh, those weeks where he does have qB one upside. I'm really intrigued like with Cooper Cup. When you look at his average draft position and where he's going, I'm just thinking if you, depending on how your draft flows, I'm like, you're able to land Cooper Cup and kind of like that latter part of the first round, depending on the size of your league. I'm like, that's really intriguing to me. And, and that's where I've seen him go in some drafts. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that changes from now uh, up until August, but I'm, I'm more intrigued with Cup. Yeah,
0: and give Cam, give Cam Newton a deal. <laughs> um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Cam Newton's comments?
1: I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still in awe over uh, with, with Newton and the in um, the tweets and social media stuff leading up to the I'm going to show up at the at uh, the Auburn Combine. Uh, you're talking about Cam Newton, right? Or Akers. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Oh, Cam Newton. <laughs>
1: All right, just want to make sure. Yeah, I was like, I'd heard Cam, and I'm automatically, automatically thinking Newton because of uh, with that info. But I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll we'll see. But uh, I just think he's past his prime at this point, obviously. <laughs> uh, Nathan,
0: Nathan, slamming my boy Danny Dimes. Uh, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> oh wow. I, I, you know, the injuries and, and the his playing style. I think you know definitely caught up to him. Do yes. I think that Cam Newton can be a, a backup? And is he better than uh, the guy that the Jets just signed today? Yes, like he, he may not be better than 32 quarterbacks in the league, but he's definitely better than the Todd Boyles or Tim, Tim Boyles of the league that somehow always get backup positions. Um, so uh, let's check in with uh, another one of our sponsors before we go into our running backs. Uh, Underdog Fantasy, we're also brought to you by Under- Underdog Fantasy, is a great place to get in on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite N- NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're already doing best ball drafts for 2023. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And so um there's a lot of running backs. Running back is a, it's a volatile position, and there's probably a hundred guys we could talk about. But what what's one of the running backs that you like to discuss?
1: No worries. <laughs> Not ideal there. So uh Najee Harris is a guy that uh, I'm really intrigued by. I'm like, he's someone that, um, I guess that fantasy managers, I guess we had a, a lot of high expectations for him heading into last season. Uh, that obviously, you know, d- did not happen. He was a disappointment in 2022. So, I'm like, he ended up averaging 98.1 total yards, 17.7 fantasy points per game. This was back in in 2021. And that's what really intrigued fantasy managers going into this year. But he did deal with a uh, foot injury, and the Steelers did have a new quarterback under center. Supposed so to be Mitch Trubisky, ended up being Kenny Pickett, you know, following Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. One thing that was really intriguing about Harris, though, is that you look from weeks one through eight. I'm like i He was the RB 23, 29th, uh, with 10.9 fantasy points per game. But uh, prior to the bye week, obviously the Steelers' offense was struggling mightily. Later in the season, you know, things change. Offense became more efficient, more productive. I think they went uh, from like three and seven, like in week 11, like to nine and eight to close out the year. And, uh, you know, Harris was at the the center of that change, at least in my opinion. You look between like weeks 10 through 17, Harris averaged 15.3 fantasy points per game. I think he was the RB8 at that point. I'm like, with 141 rushing attempts, I'm like, he averaged 20.6 opportunities per game over that time frame. And you just look at the state of the running back position, like only a handful of running backs were provided, uh, you know, that kind of volume. Although it wasn't really disappointing, I'd say, to see Harris only average around like three targets per game last season compared to the previous year where he had five and a half targets per game. Uh, It was an up and down season, but this is a guy that finishes the RB14. I just think like Harris' is, I would say perceived value and like ADP I'm like, it's dipped, like, significantly in dynasty formats if you look year over year. I just think he's a great player to trade for in dynasty or to draft, like, at ADP uh, if you're in a dynasty startup. I even like him a lot in best ball and redraft uh, formats right now as well. So I know he's has a couple more years on his contract. I just think the Steelers have a history of leaning heavily, like, on one guy, you know, one running back, and not really big about the committee approach. So I look at Harris as, like, a great bounce-back candidate, and I think he'll have a lot of success, you know, with him being healthy. No, I,
0: I agree 100% with Najee Harris. And he's he's a guy that it almost got cool to hate on Najee Harris halfway through the year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And everyone loves that group think, and they love the the herd mentality. And, and so Najee was getting beat up on people. Jalen Warren's better than him. The dude was playing with a metal plate in his, in his cleat for half the season, and you could see it when – whenever that plate got removed, he had more juice on him. And I know he wasn't getting the targets because he didn't have Ben Roethlisberger just dinking him hundred targets. Yeah. But when you said QB for or RB 14, like that doesn't even seem like he had an RB 14 season. I know
1: it's it's deceiving, but yeah, it, it's true. It's just, he didn't have that consistency was like the biggest thing that really, uh, really hurt fantasy managers. Cause they were expecting a lot more, at least on a per game basis. So.
0: Yeah, and you know I always say like you should look at players on a and a per game basis versus an end of season total, but that's much higher than honestly I expected without you know looking at the numbers. And when I when you sent me your list over, I was like, yeah, I was definitely going to put Harris, um, just for all the same reasons that we talked about. And so the guy the guy that I would like to bring up was RB thirteen, and that's Miles Sanders. And for me, free agency is is about following the money. And I love the 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 contract that he got, especially when you compare it to the other running backs in the free agency class. Um, when you look, I know Frank Reich didn't coach Miles Sanders, but he's direct connections with the Philly organization and with um, you know Deuce Staley being the assistant head coach, they made it a priority to sign him. And uh, he got a very good contract. So I think for the next two years, Miles Sanders could get a lot of work. And, you know, Miles Sanders was RB13 at the end of the year last year. Um, he's got the ability to not only rush, but also with receiving. Someone that it's, it's easy to sour on him because he's been in the league so long. But again, when I look at these contracts, I'm looking to follow the money. And from what I see, Carolina is very interested in, in using Miles Sanders, and they're going to lean on the running game with these, you know, with a rookie quarterback. And we know for a fact that they are going to have a rookie quarterback next year. Um, we don't know which one, um, you know, whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, but I do think the offense, you know, will run through Miles Sanders for majority of the year. Pollard another one at, after not, not sharing reps with Zeke. Yeah, Pollard uh, Pollard's going to be very interesting because you have no idea what Dallas is going to do in the draft. And so um, they've there's been a lot of talk, and I listen to Move the Sticks all the time, uh, and, and they talk about how there's people in the building that say that, you know, there's a reason Pollard gets the amount of touches he gets in the role that he has. He's always coming off a pretty significant injury. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they spent a high draft pick on a running back, whether it's Rashawn Johnson, B. John Robinson, um, you know, one of the the bigger backs that would complement Pollard. Um, but if you can get Pollard for cheap right now, he's a dynamic player. Um, and you know, Mike McCarthy's gonna use the offense that he used back when he was in Green Bay, and they successfully had, you know, two running backs. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Pollard?
1: Now, I like Pollard going into this year. He's just not a player that I'm, uh, I would say like I'm reaching for. Like if he's there at his average draft position, I'll take him. But I just think he's better in, I'm not going to say small doses, but not getting like a full workload. I think if you commit game, you know, week in and week out to give someone like Tony Pollard 14 to 17 touches per game, I believe that's where he's at his best. So From what you were just saying, it it wouldn't surprise me if Dallas does add another running back to the committee, but that still doesn't make Pollard, you know, not like fantasy relevant. But it's interesting to try to tie it back to uh, Harris for where you've got some dynasty leagues where you may even see someone like Tony Pollard get drafted before someone like Najee Harris. I've seen that a few times, and that's kind of, I'm scratching my head and it's like, wow, I'd just rather have Harris in that scenario. He's still young, he's not past his prime yet. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, and dynasty managers are supposed to think about like the long term, mm-hmm. but you see it every year. They're so like a lot of them are just so short sighted. And, um, you know, that's how that's how uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire gets drafted over Jonathan Taylor, um, <laughs> you know, uh, because they're short sighted. You know, last year, I remember, you know, the Traylon Burks and, and I, not that I don't like Traylon Burks, but yeah. he was people's most likely are like wide receiver five or wide receiver four. All of a sudden he goes to Tennessee. He's the next AJ Brown. He's wide receiver one. And so I'm at the 103, and people are like all over. I'm like, take it. I'm trading back to 107, 108, getting a pick this year. And I'm getting Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or Jameson Williams and who I have higher than Burks. And so um, you know. Don't out overvalue landing spots is my part of my evaluation process. Draft capital is going to help me separate guys that I have in similar tiers. And, uh, you know, landing spots are great, but landing spots and situations change so quickly that I'm not going to, you know, completely change my, my dynasty outlook on somebody based on, you know, their, their situation. And AJ Brown's a, a good example of that as well. A lot of people, mm-hmm tanked on his value when he went to the Titans and then they, uh, they definitely missed out. Who's your, uh, who's your next running back, sir?
1: Yeah. This, this is a a player who's hasn't really been talked, spoken about. We'll say like a lot, but it's uh, Aaron Jones for me. Uh, I guess the thing with green Bay is that I'm like, everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers, how he's holding the green Bay Packers hostage for most of the off season. And, and I just think whether Rodgers or Jordan Love is under center in twenty twenty three, I look at someone like Aaron Jones is someone that will continue to be actively involved, like in the Packers' offense. And I, I think, I think even even more, like he'll be leaned on even more if I would say if, um, you know, if Jordan Love is under center as opposed to Rodgers. Uh, you know, I think about this, uh, Dave. You know, I think about uh, AJ Dillon. I'm like, he's someone who was very hyped heading into last season. But then fantasy managers i think they have legitimate questions about dylan and if he's capable to be like a lead back in the league right now i'm like he had ups and downs last year and i look at jones even though he's he's 28 years old i think he's a nice value for dynasty managers especially those that are in a win now mode so he's a great target to buy low on and one thing i like about jones which kind of helps him in fantasy is that he can generate points like on the ground as a runner uh, as a receiver out of the backfield, you know, he can create points and over the last four seasons, I'm like, he's finished as a top 10 fantasy running back. I'm like this is a guy who's averaged 16.6 touches, 92.3 total yards, and nearly 17 fantasy points per game over that time frame. And I think there's a strong chance that that trend will continue in 2023. So he's a great candidate, in my opinion, to trade for right now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you and, uh, I'm with you on the AJ Dillon take as well. Um, You know, like I know that we've seen some highlights of A.J. Dillon catching the ball and doing those things, but he's not going to do it the way Aaron Jones does. And, you know, when you have some like it's weighted opportunity, like I I don't you don't need 30 touches. If you can get 15 touches and five of those are catches, that's a massive it could be a massive fantasy day. Absolutely. And even going back to, you know, what you were talking about earlier, you know, it's. With Najee Harris and and, you know even with Miles Sanders, like these guys, I I know that not every every backfield is going to get the Saquon Barkley twenty five touches a game, Mm -hmm. but you know you still have these guys that still get a lot. And but yeah, going going back to uh, Najee, he's he is probably in line for more of a Saquon Barkley workload. You look at last year, a lot of the Jalen Warren cutting into his stuff was part part of due to the injury. How would you feel about? Tony Pollard as your wide receiver one. And that wide receiver, running back
1: one. Like RB one? Uh, it depends on who else um uh, who else they have on the team. Sounds like if it was kind of like a heavy wide receiver like draft. I'm assuming we're talking dynasty here, right? A redraft or both? Dynasty. And more so in Dynasty? In Dynasty, I would I would I would be more open to it because if you take kind of like a wide receiver heavy approach in um, like in Dynasty, it could really it could really pan out. Especially if you look at some of the uh, ADPs of players, but I'd, I'd be okay with it. But I would want to build, I guess, my running back by committee. <laughs> at least in fantasy, I would want to build it with other like reliable options or other options that could surpass my expectations because. I must admit I'm a little nervous saying hey if my RB1 is Tony Pollard just given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, he's coming off a major injury. Mm-hmm. Um you know Dallas Cowboys there's a lot of teams that are like no running back in the first round like that's that's like mm-hmm. ridiculous talk. The Cowboys took Zeke early. Yeah. If if are if, if Bijan is there at 26, there's there's the likelihood they could pull the trigger, they could trade up for someone like Bijan. And Tony Pollard's on a one-year contract. Like, they're not married to Tony Pollard. No. Uh, he's, on, he's on the franchise tag. So they they could move. You know, they could be a move. And speaking of, you know, teams that could draft Bijan or go with a running back, Mixon, I think he's on the last year of his deal. He's got some – I don't know about too much of the legal issues, but there's some things going on with Joe Mixon. Yeah. Some people have rumored that he could possibly be a cut candidate. Um, what are your your thoughts on Mixon? Do you think he's someone that you're you nervous about and trying to sell him before the draft?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying, okay, if he hasn't been cut now, he's likely still going to be on the team. But I just think it's one of those situations for where the public doesn't know all the details kind of on what's going on. I'm, I'm like, if I'm an NFL GM or a, an owner, I'm like, I don't want to see any of my players like – in the news or making headlines for non football reasons. And he's at that age for where I could see the Bengals like moving on. I'm like, he had a great year last year from fantasy. I'm like, I know we had that monster week that kind of won managers that week. Oh, yeah. I, I can't see anyone losing, but I'm, I'm sure there probably were some managers out there from that week that he had. I digress, though. But, um, I'm gonna just look at Mixon. He's not like a player like I'm aggressively targeting in uh, in Dynasty, and he is someone that I would look to move right now. But the problem is, is that if you're trying to trade him, you may have others that are hesitant, so you may not get the most value. So it may be a better situation just to hold on to him and just to kind of ride him as long as you can. But as a contingency plan, just to build, you know, your running back, your running back core, like up just in case if the uh, the baby's thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak, in that scenario. So I don't know. That's that's my take on it. I'm conflicted because I, I love Joe Mixon on the field and what he brings to the table and in Dynasty. But there are some concerns and, and smoke I'm seeing there. Yeah,
0: I agree completely, uh, Nate. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that one up. want to check back in with the uh, – actually, we're not checking back in with anybody. We're going straight to it. Um, mine is J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. And so, you know, J.K. Dobbins – I know last year was not the year that you were looking for. And it was a really frustrating offseason because you had, you know, Schefter and, and Rappaport putting something out. And then JK Dobbins is like, nah, man, I'm going to be good to go. And then you see like some Twitter videos that aren't really very, uh, um, positive for JK Dobbins. And, you know, the eye test, you're like, man, he just did like a, a blocking drill and it looked like he got injured again. <laughs> it didn't look good, but no. then you see the big run and you see some of the, the highlights. And, you know, at the, at the end of the season, he finished really strong, 125 yards, 120, and then 93. Um, he was the fifth most of yards, you know, above expected for rushes last year from the running back position. And he's a talented rusher. And as far as ACL injuries, and know he had to have the second surgery to clean up some scar tissue to give him some more flexibility in that knee players typically are better after the, not after the first year, after the second year from an ACL surgery, I believe in the player, I believe in the talent and, you know, they've done a nice job with retooling that offensive line. I like Todd Monken coming over. um, And, and I think this, you know, this quarterback situation will be interesting But with Lamar Jackson back there, whoever's back there, J.K. Dobbins is expected to be the lead back, and until proven otherwise, um, where he's getting drafted right now, um, you know his ADP is—he's in the high-stakes leagues. He's going RB twenty, so that's just redraft. But in your, you know, your dynasty leagues, he's a early second-round pick. You know, maybe a little bit higher for for J.K. Dobbins, and this is a player that was going for high first you know, just, uh, just a couple years ago. Yeah. And so as far as receivers, do you have any, uh, let's, let's talk about receivers. Um, who's your receipt. Who's a receiver that we could uh, buy back in on.
1: I'm going to talk about my guy, Traylon Burks here. And I just look at Burks last year. I'm like, he couldn't have asked for like a weaker depth chart, like as a rookie, you know, like Robert Woods and the other players that they had there. We were all expecting like the ascension of, bu- of, of Burks, excuse me, would happen rather quickly, but I tell you, he 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 also couldn't have landed. <laughs> I would say in a worse like offensive situation. I'm like the Titans; they ranked 30th in pass attempts per game and passing yards per game. And I look at Burks for where some fantasy managers may simply look at the numbers and say, "Hey, Burks was horrible last year." But his rookie season, in my opinion, it, it's really tough to evaluate. I mean, he dealt with numerous injuries, but he did show fantasy managers glimpses. Like, I remember back in uh, week 11 and week 12, he had, what, an 18-point fantasy performance, I think, in week 11, 17 points in uh, week 12. And he did flash, like, his big playability, like, throughout the season. Like, he had eight receptions of 20 or more receiving yards, uh, or 20 or more yards, excuse me, last season. And I think of Burks, like, his fantasy value really depends a lot on how you viewed him as a prospect kind of heading into the NFL. For me personally, like I'm a huge fan of Burke's game, and I think it translates very well to the NFL. Um, And I do believe he deserved to be a first-round selection uh, in the 2022 draft. But I just given how people view the Titans offense based on Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis' performances last season, I really really believe makes Burke's like a great trade target. I just remember that performance he had against the Packers last season uh, at Lambeau. Uh, his best game of the, of the year. He had uh, seven receptions for uh, 111 yards. And I think that's the Burks that we'll see more of in 2023. And a lot of great things can happen during a rookie's uh, first NFL offseason. So expect big things from Burks.
0: Yeah, and and you saw the glimpses, like you said. And, and he led all of the, like, it was a great receiver class. And he led all of them in yards after the catch. And um, you saw it when he played. I mean, he's, he's a big dude and there are some corners that just did not want to tackle him in December. And, um, you know, he had a couple highlights where he just looked like a bully. And, you know, when I see that stuff, I like when I like preseason for, for that reason, where you can see like this guy belongs. And you saw that with like him and George Pickens with some of the things that they were doing. Um, and you're right. I mean, this guy was put into a tough situation. The Titans, I mean, they lost so many people due to injury and, and and then the offense was just all over the place. I mean, they're their offensive coordinator got a DUI after the game. Yeah. I mean, you could if you wrote up like things that could go wrong, they checked all of the boxes. And so, you know, for Burks this year, he's he's you know, he's gonna be top of the depth chart. And uh, you know, do you do you hear the rumors um that the Titans are making some noise and could possibly be moving up for a quarterback in this draft.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be really surprised if they did that. Cause they still have Tannehill that's there and they still have Willis for where I'm mean, like, we got such a, such a small sample size of Willis and, and what he did show us kind of left a lot of people nauseous. We'll say. <laughs> and so uh, I, I don't see them kind of taking, taking another quarterback there, at least right out right it out with Tannehill and just see what they what they can get from Willis. To
0: Eric, um, mm-hmm. a guy that I want to bring up, you brought the Steelers earlier, and uh, I feel like you see in your list, i kind of the same page about some of the teams. And so Deontay Johnson is someone that I think people should be buying back in on. Um, Deontay Johnson, you know, he's another guy that you know some of the guys on Twitter like to uh, beat up and make fun of, you know, Dante, you know, Dante Dropson and all that stuff. Um, But this guy is a, he's a craftsman. He is a separator. He is always open. And he is, he's been the target hog in this offense for three years in a row. And it should continue. Um, This guy, as far as targets, he had 147, 169, and 144 targets the last three seasons. and. Kenny Pickett, second year. It's going to be the same offense, same, same offensive coordinator. The hope is that the offensive line improves. And they've been working on that the last few years. This is a good draft class to do it. There's a few tackles if they take one of the first round, but there is a a lot of depth in the interior offensive line of this draft. And, you know, it would be great to see the Steelers be able to get a, a tackle in the first. And, and get a guard or other interior lineman somewhere in, on day two, and with Deontay Johnson, you're looking at a player that you've seen the the you know the highlight where he almost got a touchdown at the end of the year. If you're looking for a positive regression candidate, it's Deontay Johnson. He had the most amount of yards without scoring a touchdown that you could possibly think of. And uh, appreciate it, sir. And uh, and you know, uh, I was talking about with Deontay Johnson. I said, po- you know, positive regression candidate with the zero touchdowns last year on almost a thousand you know a thousand yards of of receiving. And it's the same offense, same now with the same quarterback instead of having you know two different quarterbacks. Yeah, I think people are really low on him. And I, I saw somebody do a a all quarter all receiver draft. For Dynasty, it was all receivers, PPR, and he was 30, 32.
1: I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And,
0: and so I was like, 32? All right, write him down. I'm talking about him tonight. Um, so, what are, your, what are your thoughts on Deontay?
1: No, I was, as you were saying that, I could still hear you. And again, my, my apologies on some of the, the difficulties. Trying to, trying to. Uh, I guess I'm trying to do my best to be uh, like a Best Buy geek squad, like on the fly. So, we'll, we'll, we'll keep working it. <laughs> So no, I, I like Deontay Johnson because I think that's someone who, um, who who didn't really have a lot of work with Pickett last season. I'm like people forget that like he sat out the first couple of weeks of training camp as he seeked a contract extension, and he's a player over the last two seasons who's averaged nine and a half targets per game. So he is someone that I believe will will bounce back nicely. So uh, I, I was smiling ear to ear as you were you were breaking that down because I'm a big fan of Johnson as well in both formats, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft. So.
0: Appreciate that. It's always good to get the uh, the approval. And uh, who is your other receiver that you like to to buy back in on?
1: All right, all right, all right. So um, I would say Mike Williams. I know he's another player who, again, disappointed fantasy managers last season. I think he finished as the wide receiver thirty two. I mean, he only averaged thirteen and a half fantasy points per game last year. Did average seven point nine targets though. But one thing about Williams, like he missed four games left a few other games early, like with injuries, and the entire, like, Chargers offense struggled. Everyone had high expectations of Justin Herbert uh, last year, and he really didn't deliver. I know he averaged 279 passing yards per game, but when you think about the draft capital that you use to add someone like Herbert on your team, and he only averages 16.4 fantasy points, it's very disappointing. So, you know, definitely a career low there. And I would say the entire offense, what I'm really excited about with the Chargers going into this year is uh, Kellen Moore. He you knows their offensive coordinator. So I think they're in a really good position to bounce back. We all watch how productive the Cowboys offense was last season. And I think we'll see a similar transformation like with the Chargers uh, this year. But one thing, though, I think about Williams, and, and I'm kind of looking back here through the rearview mirror, but he still is technically the same player. I just remember how good he was during the 2021 season. And I think that's a player we'll we'll see again. Uh, I think he finished that year. He had about 15.4 fantasy points per game, uh, a little bit over eight targets per game. He finishes the wide receiver 12. Like, and this is all PPR. The stats that I'm quoting here for all the players uh, back in 2021. And I think that year he also ranked in the top 12, like in routes of run and deep targets too. And like, this is a player who's only he's only 28 years old, so he's not even 30 yet. So I think he's a nice value in both formats, and I think he'll bounce back nicely. So I am on the Mike Williams train.
0: Yeah, I'm a Mike Williams fan. Uh I almost had Justin Herbert as my buyback in on guy. And and his his ADP probably is not um or or cost is not low enough for, mm-hmm. for him to qualify. But I do think that there are people that are, are a little sour on him. And yeah. you know, what I what I know is that Justin Herbert showed us his rookie year, what he can do and the upside he can have. He didn't run a lot last year and he really suffered after that injury. And he was not the same player after he got hurt. And so um I, I do think that affected his deep ball. I affect that affected him, you know, as far as fantasy, not being able to rush. I mean, he powered through that game. He was a tough dude, but I think we all, we all saw that. So I, I like to call with Mike Williams and, He's another one. I don't have the ADP, but mm-hmm. people, some people hate Mike Williams. No, he's you're just, right, they do. <laughs> and so, I mean, you can get – and the, the nice thing with Williams is you're not having to pay, you know, wide receiver one or even wide receiver two prices anymore. I mean, he's in the wide receiver three range and a little bit deeper mm-hmm. once you add the rookies. Um, like in that exercise that Nick from P2W did, mm-hmm. he added the rookies in. And like like Amari Cooper went uh three point twelve. um he was the 36 <laughs> receiver off the board, and you know you, you you just and I forget how far away uh Mike Williams was, but he might not even have been drafted, <laughs> like yeah, he was it was pretty That's low crazy. so Gary's got a question. Paris Campbell, and this is probably Curtis Samuel, um Paris Campbell or Curtis Samuel, deep redraft question. Yeah. who do you think?
1: Yeah, I was just I was thinking Paris Campbell because when you just look at the state of the of the Giants, like at, at uh, wide receiver, i think mean, that's you know Sterling Shepherd that's back. They signed Paris Campbell. You got Darius Slayton that's still there. So I can see Paris Campbell having having some big games, especially with Danny Dimes. Assuming he can sen- uh, continues his ascension. So yeah, I'll go with Paris Campbell there. I feel kind of queasy about it just given the uh, you know his injury history, but I think he could surprise people this year.
0: Yeah, it, this this would change definitely if the Giants were to add somebody like Isaiah Flowers or something in the draft. But you know they got Isaiah Hodgins is kind of their big receiver. I um, mean, six foot three, two hundred ten pounds. Then they have Kurt. Yeah, they have uh, Darius Slayton they brought back on the outside. Then a whole bunch of slot receivers: Wondell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, and then you have you know you have uh, Paris Campbell who is there. Like the Giants going into the offseason, they said they wanted to get more juice. And more explosive, Curtis Samuel's a guy that, not Curtis Curtis, Paris Campbell's a guy that can do that for them. And then obviously Darren Waller, who we'll talk about here in a bit. Mm-hmm. The next guy that I wanted to talk about, and I tossed around a few guys, and I want I definitely want to, um, but Chris Godwin is someone that because of the state of the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because there's no more Brady, people are just out on. And he's still, he's still 27 years old. And he's getting drafted behind guys like Debo Samuel, um, behind other other players that have not done as much as he's done consistently. And I, I do think that they're you know they're a candidate for you know a, a Hendon Hooker or something like that in the draft. But Baker Mayfield's been he's been better with those receivers that are closer to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and, and I think Mike Evans is not good news. Um, but chris Godwin I'm okay with, and the price is right. I mean he's wide receiver 42 um and and that's just it's too it's just uh too cheap for me to pass yeah. and and I like him especially in your PPR league. So any, any thoughts on chris Godwin?
1: Yeah, I, I think Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans are, are pretty good values because a lot of people are concerned about the quarterback situation, but I just look at it this way. it's like they were still getting a ton of targets, whether it was with you know James Winston. When he was there, or Tom Brady, and they'll still end up getting targets with uh, Baker Mayfield, or if they have another quarterback under center for some reason at the start of the 2023 season. So, no, I, I like it. You just chase the targets, it's a very predictive stat. And so, I think Chris Godwin is a very nice value. So, agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, Richie Grant. Richie Grant's a free agent. Um, or Richie James is a free agent. Um, and yeah, again, Amari Cooper is another one. But to go on to the uh, tight ends, uh, what's the tight end that we should buy back in on?
1: Yeah, I know you kind of gave a tease. It's uh, Darren Waller for me because uh, I know many fantasy managers probably have questions about Waller's health. I'm like, this will be his age, uh, 31 season. He's only appeared in 20 regular season games since the start of the 2021 season. And I just think at his current like value, I think he's uh, at his current ADP, I'll say. I I like the value. I think it's a risk worth taking like in dynasty because here's the reality. It's like the tight end position continues to be as as desolate as the wasteland, like in the Mad Max film franchise. (laughs) And we were kind of talking about the giants wide receiver group. They really lack a true NFL caliber number one receiver. I know they got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, you know, Wondell Robinson. We talked about the names, but to your point, you mentioned this a moment ago, it's like the giants could add a wide receiver in the upcoming draft, but You know, some of the best receiver prospects may be gone by the time they're on the clock. So I think as long as New York doesn't make like any unexpected trades, I look at Waller as someone who could easily become the focal point of the Giants passing game. We all remember from 2020 to 2021, Waller averaged 8.8 targets and 15.2 fantasy points per game. So I believe this is a Waller that we will see in New York in 2023.
0: Yeah. And so I was writing an article about tight ends to sell. And so I started to look at Darren Waller and what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of bookended the season. He started the season, then he had a big lull where he didn't play, and then he then he yeah. finished the season. And I was from a, a from an a dot from a yards per route run from a a target per route run. I'm like, I'm not selling this dude. I'm buying
1: him. Yeah. It. And yeah.
0: you know, when if you can get a, a tight end you're paying you know tight end nine or tight end 10 prices Mm -hmm. there's not many guys that of that group that have the top three top five upside and that's the kind of upside that Darren Waller brings with his yards after the catch and his athleticism and I'll take that over the other guys especially at the price and then I love the situation and I think it's telling that you had multiple teams trying to trade for Darren Waller yeah and and that he's you know he you know, people are not trading for DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to possibly be released. There are multiple people trading for him. Not saying Hopkins is washed, but I think the market is interesting, um, and, and part of that has to do with supply and demand. There's a whole lot of receivers in the NFL, not a lot of tight ends, and you should treat your dynasty leagues the same way. You, you should definitely evaluate your tight end position. Don't just try to stream tight ends in dynasty. It's a headache, and you look at everybody that won your leagues – I'd say that probably 75% of my leagues that the championship was either it was Kelsey and the other if, if I if I was in my championship, I had Kelsey or I was yeah. facing Kelsey.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's that how it was. Sense. And and uh so as far as mine, I, I did go back to the uh, Denver Broncos and I want to talk about great dolls mm-hmm. and, and I look at Sean Payton as someone that's done a, a lot of great work with tight ends. Um Taysom Hill, of course. Um, but, uh, really like Jimmy Graham and Jeremy Shockey and, and some of these other tight ends. And I look at that offense and, you know, Cortland Sutton could be out of town. Tim Patrick's coming back. They're, they're going to lean on the, on the running game and do what Russell Wilson does best. And that's play action pass. And you're looking at all these different pieces. Dulcic is really the guy that can stretch the field, do the seam routes and, you know, I studied tight ends last year. I looked at uh, two different things, air yards and targets. If you got 100 targets, you were guaranteed to be a, a top 12 tight end. Everyone that got 100 targets yeah. was in the club. So you want to be a top two or three option on your team. Everyone that got 1,000 air yards or more, they were in the top four. Mm-hmm. And the guys by air yards were literally one, two, three in the order. And so I'm looking for someone that's going to get air yards and you know, like I love Hayden Hurst. He's going to give you nine or 10 points a week. Cool. But you want someone, if you want an actual guy, that's going to be upside. You're looking for air yards and targets. I think Dolce is going to get a lot. Yeah. So rookies it's rookie fever. Everyone's excited about the rookies. So before we get out of here you know, I, obviously with ESPN, you got all the insiders Let's uh, let's talk about your process and how, how do you evaluate the, the rookies?
1: Yeah, for uh, I guess the best way to describe like my process, I like to think of it as uh, like playing music, like you've got like a piano. And so when you're using like both hands, that's the kind of the approach I like to use with my evaluation process. So you can you can make music by just playing with one hand like a piano hitting keys but you can make even better music when playing like with both hands and so for me those hands when you look at like rookie uh, evaluation is really doing the film work and then like stats and like advanced metrics. And there's obviously specific traits and behaviors I make note of when watching film, like on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. But from a stats perspective, I kind of like to to isolate specific things. So if I'm looking like at a quarterback, like I look like to look at their passing numbers from like a clean pocket. You know, how were they as a passer like on first and second down? Uh, how are they on play action passes versus no play action? Like if I'm looking at running backs, I like to look at. Like missed tackles, you know yards after contact, you know yards per route run. How are they as a receiver? Of course, uh, missed tackles per reception. Those are the type of things that I like to look at because if you've got a wide open hole, I'm like, yeah, you can run and look like the next coming of Barry Sanders. But in the NFL, like mean, you're taking a lot of punishment, a lot of contacts. So I want to know how they perform when they're hit. For wide receivers and tight ends, uh, I like to look how they perform against uh, single coverage versus uh, zone coverage, like those types of stats. Uh, we talked about A dot, so average depth of target, you know, yards per route run, separation stats, yards after the catch per reception. So that kind of provides you like a glimpse of the things that I look at and how I go about my process when looking at rookies.
0: Now, and I appreciate that. You know, there, there's, there's guys that are strictly analytics, mm-hmm. and they just punch the numbers into their model, let it spit it out. Yeah. And then they just say, hey, that's how the model did it. There's some guys that are really like the, the tape grinders. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at tape, do you do you like mm-hmm. – like one way people look at it, they kind of look at like PFF. They'll take like a high-graded game and a low-graded game, or like they'll look at the box score and say, hey, he has really good stats this game. Let's look at it and look at a game that you underperformed. Like, do you have anything like that that you do?
1: Yeah, I, I think if you're going to like really like evaluate like a player – um, 'Cause it, it does take time. I think you need to get a, a pretty good wide range of games. Look at the competition that they're playing against. I think that's one thing you should look at, whether it's in conference play or out of conference play. Like if you don't wanna look at a guy's stats and how he performs, like if he's in a division one um school and he's playing against like a one double a school you know you don't want to you don't want to look at that so you want to make sure the competition's there and I think they're really good at good grass. ideally I like to watch anywhere from like three to five games on a guy uh just to see and and if possible even to look at the previous years uh some games from the previous season just to see how that player has progressed so it does take time so you do need to kind of commit to to watch the film if that's an approach that you want to go just to bring all that together I just think it's a lot better whenever you look at uh Multiple games, but also look at some of the stats too and combine those different things because I think in fantasy, you know, that's why we're here, dynasty redraft. It really comes down to like the landing spot. All these guys in the league are very capable, they would have been drafted if they weren't. It really comes down to opportunity. They're going to get the touches, they're going to get the targets to be successful. So uh, you just have to look at multiple things. It's not one that's the end all be all.
0: And so, and I have to ask you this because. Uh, At the combine, there's all this discussion about the weight and there's also like, I think they, they called it um, a la carte workouts where the guy's like, well, I'm good at this. I'll do this. And I'm, I'm not going to do that one, but they're, they're, they're cheating the test when, you know, they, they know the test is coming. They know they're going to have to weigh a certain way. So Bryce Young goes and balloons up to 204 pounds and does that. And then he does. not never, never going to get on a scale in front of public ever again. Do you wait like weigh that? Like, how do you do that? Especially with like even like running backs. You've seen some of these running backs. They cut a bunch of weight so they could run faster, mm-hmm. but like they're not a two hundred and seven pound running back. They're a two hundred and fifteen pound running back.
1: Yeah. So it's and, and this may be controversial, but you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just I'm just going to say it. I'm like. The combine's a means to an end for where I think where pe- people really notice is if a player doesn't perform the way that they expected. It. It's like this guy was supposed to run a four three, he ran a four nine. Oh my goodness! If it's something that dramatic to pay attention to, but you're gonna find all that you need to know about a player like on the tape in the games, and then how did that player perform in those games, which is where the stats come through. Because I'm like, football is not played in shorts and in you know, shirts. It's not really played in the weight room. The weight room makes you stronger, but it really comes down to what happens like uh, on, on the field. So I'll put a lot of weight into that. And just, you know, from playing the game, I didn't play in the NFL, but I played in uh, high school and college. It's just like everything that happens on the field really tells you what you need to know about that player. You know, actions speak louder than I'm running the 40 in shorts while people are snapping photos. Yeah.
0: And, and like Devonta Smith is one of the best examples of that, where he, uh, he, he, he did not go and put on a bunch of fake weight before the, the combine or anything came in at his, his weight. And you know, there were people that were like, he's an outlier. He'll like, no way, no way. And then there's mm-hmm. like, there's people like, this guy's tape is so good. Mm-hmm. It is in the sec. Oh. And by the way, he won the Heisman as a receiver. Yeah. And, and planned their flag. Like, I don't like screw it. I'm going with him. And he's, he's a great player. Uh, I've listened to PFF uh this week and, and mm-hmm. jim nagy said he's he's better than any receiver in this draft class yeah. and he was one of the first guys to really not try to cheat the test mm-hmm. um and we saw it with jordan addison he didn't add a bunch yeah. of weight he didn't do any of that but he's getting killed for it yeah and so um speaking of weight gonna mm-hmm. talk about bryce young for a second
1: yeah no that's fine
0: so bryce young mm-hmm. um some people have him as the one some the two um i don't know if houston or carolina Changes your evaluation with him, mm-hmm. um, but most likely he's going to go to one of those two spots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's a controversial player because of that. Um, where do you have Bryce Young in your rankings?
1: Yeah, and I would say, you know, if you're looking at, um I would say if you're just looking at the quarterbacks, I'll kind of go overall in quarterbacks. <laughs> so if you're looking at quarterbacks, obviously he's the QB one, uh, but I would say if you're looking at overall bra- uh, rankings, I'm like whether you're playing in super flex or single quarterback I would still uh take Bijan uh Robinson over him just because of the situation that he's in and uh what he can bring to the table like in fantasy but I think he is the top quarterback uh prospect. I love to see him land with the Texans, you know, if you want my opinion, so.
0: Yeah, now and seeing that that West Coast, you know that that San Francisco style of an offense mm-hmm. um you know, at the baseball background with the quick hands and the mm-hmm. you know, um and one of the things they talked about is, you know, you look, you want a guy to not only looks the part, but he plays the position well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Bryce Young plays the position extremely well. And then as far as uh, receivers, I think you had, you had two guys to talk about, uh, was it Z- Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnson?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about them real quick. So like with Zay Flowers, uh, I'm curious to see where, where he lands. Huge fan of his game, um, what he brought to the table at Boston College, but I would say, uh, and I would like to see him land, like, with the Buffalo Bills. Um, y- you know, the Bills, since they lost Isaiah McKenzie, um, like, they, they really need a replacement for him. And, and I think Flowers, if he lands in Buffalo, would, would give Allen, like, his best slot receiver since, like, Cole Beasley from uh, back in uh, 2021. And uh, one thing that's intriguing with that fit is that you got uh, Gabe Davis that'll be a free agent like next year. So if they do land Flowers, and if you draft them to your uh, dynasty team, you're looking at Flowers could potentially be uh, the Bills' uh, number two receiver in 2024, depending on what moves they make. And also big on Quentin uh, Johnston. Um, it is be because he's a TCU guy and I'm in, uh, in Texas. <laughs> but I, uh, I'd i love to see him land like with the Carolina Panthers because we obviously know the Panthers gave up a lot to, to – um, to get the number one pick, you know, with the DJ Moore trade, et cetera. You know, they ended up uh, picking up or signing, excuse me, Adam Thielen, uh, DJ Shark, uh, and free agency. You know, n- neither of those players are like a, a long-term piece in the Panthers' offense. But I would say if, if they have, like, their early second-round pick, if they're able to – you know, like, add, like, a wide receiver. I mean, if they can get Johnston, like, in that round, that would be ideal. Or if they want to trade up into the latter part of the first round to to land him, I think that would be great. So you're looking at someone in Johnson, if you pick him up in a Dynasty, if you land the Panthers, who could really emerge, like, as their number one receiver, like, for years to come. So those two guys I really like.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm a big Zay Flowers guy. I have him as my yeah. wide receiver three in this class. And I know that, you know, doesn't necessarily have the ideal size, but he's played outside and inside um, but I, I do think he can dominate as a, an inside player and he did put on an extra some extra weight but then he ran um, and so um, well I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you working through all those uh, yeah. the technical stuff with me man. Um, you've been super you know, super gracious with your information and your time um, everyone make sure you please uh, please give Eric a follow one of the you're always engaging with everybody uh, on Twitter. And I always see positivity from you. So, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, everybody, as always, good luck this season.